If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you this morning to a portion of Scripture in the book of Acts, chapter number 12. I feel compelled uh, pretty strongly to talk about the subject of prayer. And we'll pro- probably the next couple of weeks we'll talk about prayer as a church body. And also we'll take some time to have special times of prayer as well. So I want to invite you to come back and be a part of the evening services as we'll talk more about prayer and have special times of prayer. But we're going to find in Acts chapter number 12 is a story about the church praying. Okay? And so I'm going to read the scriptures and we'll talk about that. In Acts chapter 12, let's look at the first verse. It says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison. And delivered him to the quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two, cha- with two chains and the Keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out, and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, He said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, or the Lord had sent his angel and had delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And I'll draw your attention. This is the first part of the story we'll look at today. But I'll draw your attention to verse number five. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And I want to take this story and just present a message probably over the next couple Sundays entitled, When the Church Prays. When the Church Prays. And we'll look at this and hopefully learn some things that might would help us in our prayer life individually, but yet collectively as a church body. One of the most powerful forces on the face of the earth is a unified praying church. Okay? 
And so I want to look at that. And I, listen, I, we, we have different people here. We got young people, old people from all walks of life, different stages of life, different burdens, different problems. I understand all that. But I believe this message today can help every one of us, whether you're a member of this church or not. You can see the importance of the power of prayer and how it works, how God uses that. And, and that's, that's our one connection to God. Listen, you don't have to worry about the signal being out. You ever try to use your phone when you don't have a signal and all that kind of stuff? You don't have to worry about the signal being out. Prayer is our direct access to God. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your house today. I thank you for these that were able to come. I recognize there's some that are not here today. Well, we have some that are out of town. We have some that are sick and afflicted and other issues of life dealing with. And Lord, we understand all that. And we ask that your will be done in each and every heart and life. We understand there's burdens. We understand, Lord, there's some heavy trials of life going on right now with some people. And God, I pray, Lord, in the midst of all that we have happening around us, Lord, that we will focus our hearts and minds upon your word and understand, Lord, it is through your promises that you've given us, Lord, that this access we have to you, Lord, we can come to you, we can pray and understand that your will be done. And Lord, I thank you for this avenue that we have. And Lord, may this time we spend together today not be in vain. But, Lord, may we leave out of here encouraged and uplifted and even challenged, Lord, to do more for you through this opportunity of prayer. Forgive me where I fail thee, Lord. Let my words uh, bring honor and glory unto you through this message. And, Lord, may others see Christ in me. If there's one lost today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, may the Holy Ghost of God do a work in their heart to bring conviction, to draw them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Forgive us where we fail thee, for we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. God has opened the door to his throne room through prayer. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. We are invited as his children to enter into his presence with our petitions. He's promised to hear us when we call. I think about the Old Testament scripture in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 3. It says, call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He's promised to hear us. He's also promised to answer our prayers when we pray according to his will. I've studied this a little bit this week. And actually I've been very convicted in all honesty of this week. The things I have studied. And that when, I, when I read and study and... And listen, there's nothing wrong with us reading and studying God's Word, by the way, because that's how we cleanse ourselves, and that's how we uh, become more knowledgeable in the things of God. But when I read and study, I, I start finding out how many times I'm guilty of praying prayers that I knew what I wanted to be answered. It was my prayer. You know, I want this to be done in my life. But somehow, if I just attach the phrase, Lord, if it be thy will, if I just take that little phrase and attach it to what I want to be done, somehow I think by adding, Lord, if it be thy will, or we say, Lord, thy will be done, as we should in the, as the model prayer is given. But I think if I attach that, how many times have I been guilty of that? Praying what I wanted to be done, but if I just throw in, Lord, if it be thy will, when all along I want my will to be done. But when I read the scripture, I find out, that I'm, to, I'm supposed to pray for His will to be done in all things and not my will to be done. Now, my problem that I have, and I'm sorry that I'm so human, 
And I know some of y'all are not, not like me, and y'all a little more spiritual than I am. I'm just a preacher. But here's, here's what I deal with. Uh, I, I say that, I, I pray, but when I'm praying, I don't always humble myself and empty myself of my ambitions. And, and, and for my prayer to, to be what God wants it to be, it can't be any of my will but praying. It's got to be all of His will to pray. Now, it, I'm guilty of that. Why? Because I want what I want. And it's not that I want bad things. It's not that there's things that I'm asking for things that are not uh, good things or not necessarily even scriptural things. But when I don't pray in the will of God, and the only way I can do that is to not have any of my will in that prayer. Now think about that. Well, preacher, I thought we could ask for it. Yes, we can ask. But the difference is what other people don't know inside of your heart, God knows. God knows my intents. So He knows when those words leave my mouth or, or whether I'm praying from my heart, God already knows before it leaves my mouth or mind, He already knows my intents. He knows that. So if I'm not praying in His will, how effective is my prayer? And I think about that because there are things that we want. Not only as individuals, there's some prayers that we want answered. Some of you right now, you're dealing with things in your life and you want the answer to your prayer that you prayed. I'm not condemning you for that. I'm telling you in confession, I do the same thing. Okay, Collectively, as a church body, there's things that we want. There's things we want to accomplish. There's things we want to see happen. There's things uh, that, that we want God to do. But how many times are we even guilty, collectively as a church, of not necessarily praying in the will of God, but praying of our own accord. Now, that's a little side detour, because I want us to understand for our prayers to be effective, we have to pray in the will of God. We have to. And the only way it's all of God's will is for it to be none of my will. None of mine. We've all experienced the power of private prayer. We've experienced those times when we called on the Lord in, in our secret place of prayer. The Scripture tells us that we ought to have a special place that we go. Just us and God and get along and pray. There's been times where we know that we touched heaven's gate on, on behalf of somebody else. We know that we touched the portals of heaven because God had answered our prayer. And there's something special about entering in God's presence. That you get alone, you get away from the things of the world, you shut everything out, and you get alone, just you and God, and you talk to Him, you open your heart to Him. There's something special about that. It's something that we all should do. And we should do it often. Here's another confession. Those kind of prayers like that usually only come from me when something bad's going on in my life. Then I want to fall down on my face before God and empty myself out. But here's the, the truth of the matter is God wants us to be that way all the time, not just when bad things happen. Now, when I look through here and I read this chapter and I've studied prayer many times, this particular passage reminds us that there is power in corporate prayer. There is a special dynamic to coming together as God's children, united in faith and purpose to seek the face of the Lord in prayer. 
you know, when we seek God's face, I, I've studied the scripture and, and I know those who who encountered uh, God. And, and you remember Moses when uh, he wanted to see God? I mean, we want to be so close to God that he could see God. Remember that? And uh, and God said, you can't see me. You can't you can't see me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to hollow you out of place in this rock and and you can get inside of there in that cleft of the rock. And when I walk by, I'll let you see my hinder parts. But you can't, you can't look at me. and you, you won't be able to look at me and, and make it through all the glory and, and all the Shekinah uh, glory of God. You, you can't look at God and live like that. It's something about getting in the presence of God. And, and, and when God walked by and Moses saw his hinder parts, remember when Moses came down from the mountain? He didn't have to tell everybody he had seen God. It was all over his face that he had been in the presence of God. And when we take that attitude corporately as prayer, uh, when we come together as a church united in, in prayer, in faith, when we unite ourselves together, listen, we seek God's face, we come before Him in prayer, and God looks down and He sees His church united together for the purpose of prayer. And God meets with us in a very, very special way. I'm going to tell you, that's a life-changing experience. It changes us. Nobody can be in the presence of God and leave the same way. Doesn't happen. I want to look at this passage today that we just read and share just some truths today. As we think about when the church prays. Let me show you the condition of what was happening. This particular time in Acts chapter 12, verse number 1 through 5 that we read, it was a time of problems. There were problems. What kind of problems are you talking about, preacher? Well, there were attacks upon the church. Now, when you study the early church, you're going to find very early on that persecution hit the church. Okay? And it was that wind of persecution that blew upon the church that caused it to scatter. And they spread out. And they went to different uh, regions. And by the way, we ought to be glad that they did. Because that's where other churches came out of. Aren't you glad you don't have to get on a plane and fly to Jerusalem to go to church? Especially right now. Huh? But that first church, persecution hit that church and it caused them to scatter. And the gospel was carried out and it was propagated and other churches would wind up being started. But there were attacks, as we see here in this passage of scripture that we read. James, the brother of John, one of the Lord's inner circle. You know, there was there was three that were very close to the Lord, Peter, James and John. But James, uh, as we read here, that he's put to death by Herod, Peter at this time. Also was in prison and basically he's sitting on death row awaiting his own execution. And the Jews, they were they they were pressing these attacks. Uh, By the way, uh, it was that religious crowd that put Jesus on the cross. They're the ones that said, crucify him, crucify him. And now they press these attacks against uh, that, that church, that first church, because they hated the gospel that was being preached. And Herod persecuted the early church because it gave him a political advantage. He needed the favor of the Jews. Uh, By the way, uh, dear friend, uh, the the political uh, squabble of things, the attacks upon the church, there's a political connection always. And behind the scenes, listen, it's not a Democrat or a Republican, by the way. Uh, It's the the spirit of the power of Satan uh, who's doing the work behind the scenes to bring an attack and persecution upon the church. You better believe that, dear friend. That early church facing persecution, a political leader, causing martyrdom to those apostles. 
There were attacks. There was an apprehension. The church at this time, they didn't know what the future held. They didn't know what was going to happen. There was fear. There was concern. You think about those people of the church. They had left their Jewish roots to follow the Lord. They didn't know if they were going to be hauled off and put in prison or killed. They didn't know that. Perhaps they were afraid that the hatred of the Jews and the king might eventually turn away from the leaders of the church and actually just settle upon the members of the church. They didn't know what they were going to face. But they knew they were being attacked. They were very apprehensive about things. Why? Because there was an adversary at work. When you read this, verse number 1 of Acts 12 says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Verse 2 says, and he killed James. Now, we identify here that Herod is the one who killed James and arrested Peter. We also know that his actions pleased the Jews. So Herod and the Jews were responsible for the persecution. But let me remind you, they were just merely instruments. Instruments. The one who organized and empowered that persecution, make no mistake about it, it was Satan himself. He's at war with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's at war with God himself, by the way. But you think about the opposition of the devil. It's been around for a long, long time. It's manifested itself in different ways. But you've got to understand uh, that Satan hates the church. He hates the gospel message that's being preached. He hates the very God whom Christians worship. He was out to destroy the church. I think about that because he was doing all of that in the very infancy of the church. And his attack hadn't stopped yet. The attacks of Satan, ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. He stirred up forces to go against God's people. I think about this because the church, even today in 2021, still finds itself in times of trouble. We're still under attack from the enemy. And we must never think for one moment that we are immune from the assaults of Satan. He knows how to disturb the church. Listen, he knows how to disrupt a church. And the one thing he can't stand, listen to me, is a united church. That's why he tries to cause discord among the members. That's why he tries to cause quarrels among the members so that you won't be united together. The devil knows how to do all that, dear friend. He knows how to whisper in your ear about the brother over here or the sister over here and try to get you stirred up against each other. He knows how to do that. And when he does that, he pulls apart the unity and fellowship of a church. And when a church is not unified together, they're not going to be as powerful as they could be when they come together to pray. The devil knows all that. He stirs up things. He tries to get people, get their eyes off Jesus and try to get it on one another. I'm telling you, don't look at me. Don't look at me. You know what? If you look at me, you're going to be very disappointed. I'm going to let you down. I'm not going to be the person you thought I was. And by the way, I'm not going to look at you either. Mm -mm. You know why? Because you're going to let me down. They say, well, I thought you were this kind of preacher. I thought you was this, that, and that, and that, and yum, 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 that, yab, dab, do, and that kind of stuff. Huh? I had a pastor several years ago. Let me clarify that because I don't know who watches the YouTube and all that. But several years ago, uh, somebody uh, came to the preacher. I, uh, you ain't the preacher I thought you was. Well, what do you think I said? Well, you ain't the church member I thought you was. 
Huh? <laughs> huh? And that's what the devil wants. He wants us to look at each other and take our eyes off Jesus. Uh, let me give you some breaking news today. Uh, we're all just a bunch of sinners here today. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But if we're saved by the grace of God, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I've never known a family to never have a dispute. If you're a family and you're human, you probably have some squabbles. Huh? But the thing is, don't live in the squabbles. Get your hearts right. Get together for uniting for the purpose of being the church that God wants us to be. And that's what we need to do. That adversary, he, he, he just keeps digging and digging and digging. It was a time of problems. This early church that Jesus started himself, by the way, on the shores of Galilee, he called out those who would follow him. He built a following, and even during his following, there were times where many turned and walked with him no more because they didn't like what he was saying. But the ones that have stuck, that early church, and now the very inner circle, that inner core of, the, of that early church, they're being killed. They're being arrested. The very ones that the congregation was looking up to. Those people are being killed. They're being arrested. And the, the, the church didn't know what was going to happen. Yes, they've got problems. They're under attack. They have an adversary. And you know what they did in the midst of all that? You see, not only was it a time of problems, it also became a time of prayer. I read here in verse number 5, with all that was being going on, James had been killed, Peter's been arrested, basically sitting on death row. Verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison. And what did the church do? But the church, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. They had problems. They had battles to fight. But they also knew they had a God they could pray to. And the number one focus became prayer. Prayer. You see, there, there's a tiny word in verse number five that makes a big difference. It's that little conjunction, B-U-T, but. Peter's kept in prison, but prayer, prayer. That situation, it looks desperate. It looks as though Peter might be put to death also. It looks like that, that church might be destroyed before it can carry the gospel to the world. But in the face of those problems, dear friend, that church bowed its head collectively together as one body. And called upon God. Listen, when you understand that the God you serve is sovereign in all things. He's the one that created heaven and earth. He's the one that has everything under his feet. He's the one that's in charge of all things. When we get that under our head, we can bow down and pray to him and understand that it's all under his watchful care, dear friend. Yes, it is. God heard their prayers. They rang the bells of heaven. And God moved in mighty power to bring them His answer. What kind of prayer did they pray? That's a good question. Because this is the kind of prayer I want to pray as a church body. I thought it's a prayer that we ought to be offering up. It's a prayer that we ought to be considering. That this prayer of this church says, Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God. Let me say this, that type of prayer, it was a fervent prayer. It was a fervent prayer. You see, we're told that it says prayer was made without ceasing. Now, 
If you want to get a little in-depth, if when you look up that word ceasing and what it means, it means to stretch forth. So it's basically, in the Greek connotation, it's a medical term that refers to a stretched ligament or a pulled muscle. It has the idea of going beyond the boundaries. So when we apply this to their prayer in that definition of the Greek there, it's, it, you think about it, they are stretching. They're going beyond their boundaries. Think about that. It's the picture of people pouring out their hearts in prayer before the Lord as they seek his face for their needs. They couldn't storm the prison and, and bust Peter out. They couldn't go march down the streets and loot buildings and tear things up. They couldn't do that. But what could they do? They could go beyond just the, the name it and claim it type of prayer. They poured themselves out under prayer. They stretched their boundaries in praying and trying to get a hold of God to do something for them because they were in desperate need. They was without ceasing. They were stretching beyond their boundaries of prayer. When's the last time we prayed like that? Stretching beyond the normal. I know how it is. I, I've got my worded prayer. And Jesus calls them vain repetitions. Yeah, we got the we say the prettiest prayers, don't we? We got our words planned out right and everything, folks. I I, I got an idea that this type of prayer wasn't some kind of uh, line of poetry they were praying. They were pouring their hearts out because uh, those leaders of the church were being killed. Uh, uh, those that were closer to Jesus had been murdered, and now you got Peter uh, sitting on death row. They needed help from God, dear friend. Uh, you're going to find, if you haven't been there yet in your life, you're going to find a time where the TV God's not going to help you. Uh, the chicken soup for the soul's not going to help you, dear friend. You're going to need to get a hold of God and let Him do something in your life. Fervent prayer. Prayer without ceasing, stretching, going beyond the boundaries. Fervent prayer. Pouring out our hearts in prayer before the Lord. That's the kind of praying. That we as a church body need to undertake. For so many reasons and so many ways. When I read James chapter 5 verse 16. It tells me the effectual. Fervent prayer. Of a righteous man availeth much. Talking about that fervency in prayer. That energetic passionate prayer. Listen that prayer. When I think about Jesus, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible said that he prayed as if it were his sweat was as if it were great drops of blood. We're not talking about a 30 second prayer. We're talking about somebody pouring out their soul in prayer. That's what we need, dear friend. We need to come together as a church body. And listen, I, I, I grew up the old time way, but I remember uh, praying uh, at church and having prayer meetings. I remember people praying, uh, Lord, uh, uh, keep the devil off this place. Praying the devil off this place. Uh, when's the last time uh, you got on your knees and for your family and for your children, you prayed the devil off of them? When's the last time? We've got a society that's in a mess. We're teaching kids that they don't, they don't have to be what they were born. They didn't choose what gender they were or want to be. And kids are being indoctrinated that way. We're in a mess. When's the last time that you said, God, keep the devil off my kids? If you haven't been praying that and you've got young children, I want to encourage you today. Oh, you better get down on your knees and pour your face before God and pour your heart out and say, God, keep the devil off my kids. You need to pray that. 
I'm telling you, homes are being disrupted. Homes. You see, let me tell you something about the home, why the home is so important today. The structure of a home. I'm telling you why that's important. Because homes are what make up the church. And this church, dear friend, I don't care who the pastor is, this church will never be any stronger than the homes that make up this church. Mark my words. And the weaker the homes are, the weaker the church will be. And the devil knows that. Every attack upon us individually and even in our homes collectively is an attack against the church. Ultimately. When's the last time you prayed the devil off your home? Say, preacher, you sound like one of them holy rollers. Uh, maybe, maybe we ought to get to be a little bit of holy rolling around here. And start praying the devil off things. Because I'm going to tell you, he's had a field day in our society. And I'm smart enough to know that if he's touching our society, he's influencing our homes. And if he's influencing our homes, he's going to influence the church. I'm smart enough to know that. I don't have to have a doctorate degree in theology to understand that. You need to get a hold of God. And pour your soul out unto him and say, God, keep the devil off of me. And you know what we need to do as a church body? Come together in fervent prayer. And say, God, keep the devil out of this church. Some of you have let the devil creep in. If you had ill feelings towards somebody else, you've let the devil creep in. You're carrying around unforgiveness in your heart, you've let the devil creep in. And you know what I read about the devil? You don't even have to open the door wide and say, come on in. All he's looking for is a little crack. He just needs a little crack. That's why we got to always be on guard. Well, they said this about me and they said that about me. I'm going to tell you, God is going to judge every idle word that comes out of their mouth. So if they said it, they're going to answer to God for it. And if there's a grievous sin that's been committed and somebody's wrong against you, you know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18? That you go to that person, you go to that person and you get it right, just you and them. And then if they won't hear you, then you go back and take a witness. And if they won't hear the witness, then you tell it to the church. But you know what he didn't say? That you go run around telling everybody else what somebody else did to you. He didn't say do that. You know who told you to do that? The devil. And when you can see people whose attitudes start changing about things, you start wondering, huh? Who have they been listening to? Have they been listening to the Spirit of God or have they been listening to the devil? We've got to guard ourselves, dear friend. I'll tell you one of the most divisive things that's happened over the last year is the COVID situation. The COVID situation, it's caused division. It's caused people to quit church. It's caused people to lose their focus of things. Uh, listen, uh, I, I, I've told people from day one, if you want to wear a mask to church, wear a mask. If you need to sit outside, we've still got the speakers going outside. But we're not going to divide over it. Be smart about things. Uh, Brother Tim texted me uh, uh, yesterday evening. Sister Melly had been exposed to COVID, so they're, they're not they're going to be at church. And I told him, I'm sorry to hear that. We'll be praying. You do what you need to do, dear friend. But when we take our eyes off Jesus, as far as I know, our commission of sharing the gospel hasn't changed. We hadn't been told by the Lord to, to, to quit sharing the gospel. As far as I know, until He returns, we're supposed to remain faithful. And do what God has called us to do. And the only way we're going to do that is be a united church, fervent together in prayer. The right kind of praying. Keeping our hearts and minds focused on the Lord. It was a fervent prayer. The next thing I see about this prayer is it was a faithful prayer. 
What are you talking about, preacher? Well, it, it tells me that prayer was made without ceasing of the church. And who they're praying to? Unto God. There's where the faithfulness comes in. It was their prayer of faith. Their prayers were made to God. Now, that seems obvious. But there are times when it seems like our prayers are designed to be heard by other people. Or even by us. That we like to hear ourselves. I'll tell you something. Some of the best prayers ever prayed are from people who don't know look of Scripture. They, they, they haven't been taught things. All they know is just talk to God. Talk to God. Faith is the essential ingredient that marks the difference between answer and unanswered prayer. We pray in faith. We pray believing. We pray trying to touch heaven on behalf of not only ourselves but others. This church is trying to touch heaven on behalf of Peter. When I think about prayer, the Bible makes several different statements about prayer. I'll give you just a few. When we think about faith, praying in faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When I go to God in prayer, I must go in faith, believing. Without faith. Listen, you can do all of these great things. But if you don't have faith, you're not pleasing God. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, faith stretches us. Faith allows us to do the impossible. What kind of faith do we have? There's another verse of Scripture. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. It says, In all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Well, do I believe that God can give me that answer? Yes, I do. I believe not only can He, but I believe many times it's me that stopped Him from giving that answer. Scripture tells of, of Jesus entering a village and, and it says he, he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Isn't that amazing? How many times has it been our lack of faith that's hindered the work of God in our life? Why? Because we are a limited thinker. We only think within the realm of the possible. God operates outside the realm of the possible. He operates in the impossible. That's where faith comes in. Believe. And if my will is His will, then I understand that whatever answer He gives, that's His perfect will for my life. It has to be. Notice in uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. says, This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the position, petitions that we desire to Him. How many times do we misread that? How, how many times do we misread what the Scripture says, thinking, well, I, hey, I, I, I'm a child of God, and, and I know He can do anything, so I'm going to ask Him to do this. And He said, if I believe that He can do it, I'll get it. But we miss the whole key. If we ask anything according to His will, what is His will? Well, I can tell you many times, 
And the majority of times in my life, his will and my will has been two different things. If I wanted something done according to my will, how much faith does it take? You see, if I can think it out and plan it out, how much faith is it? But to expect God to do something that I can't even think of, to know that he works the impossible, I have to simply trust in his plan. That no, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but thank God I know the one who holds tomorrow. And I can't plan this out, but I'm going to entrust my life into his hands and ask him for his will to be done. Now, I can't do that if I'm clinging to my own will. I can't do that. I can't do it. But you know what? I can ask. I can ask for his will to be done. What's his will? Can I tell you in closing today, God's will for your life? Let me say this. Number one, God's will for your life is that you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. If you die and go to hell, it was not God's will for your life. Can somebody say amen right there? If you die and go to hell tomorrow, it wasn't God's will. You went to hell against God's will. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Number one, I just quoted the scripture. But number two, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. That is all I need to know, that he's paid the price for my sin. He's made the way possible. If I don't accept it, then I'm going against his will. And then if you are saved, I can tell you God's will for your life. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. God wants us to live for Him. And the way we live for Him is to line ourselves up with Scripture. They that gladly received the Word were baptized. And it was added unto the church, about 3,000 souls that day. You see, God's plan is for you to come to know Him. God's plan is for you to be baptized. God's plan is for you to be added to the church. And that you live your life according to His will for you. Now, when the church prays, there's some things that happens. We'll talk a little bit about next week. I want you to come back. But I'm going to tell you, we all need to get a hold of God in a fervent type of prayer. Faithful. We've been on our heels for way too long as Christians. We've let the devil have the offense against us. It's time we fight back and push back. I don't care who you are today, whether you're a member of this church or not, it doesn't matter. You need to pray the devil off of you. You need to pray the devil off of your family. Would you unite with me and join together in prayer? Let's bow our heads if you would. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, I will be glad, more than glad, to take a Bible and show you how you can know the Lord is your Savior. And I'm not going to have you raise your hand. All that. We've had several people raise their hands. God knows who you are. You know who you are. Would you step out today and get that settled? And the second thing, how many of you don't raise your hand, but in your heart, you know what I'm talking about. The devil has had a heyday against you. He's fought against you. He's knocked you down. Don't you think it's time to start fighting back? Would you join in prayer today? Would you pray the devil off of your family? Would you pray the devil off of your life? Would you pray the devil off of this church? If you're a member here, we need to get a hold of God and let God do a work in our lives. Father in heaven, Lord, the best we know how, the best of our ability, we deliver the message. 
God, I know the devil fights and attacks. I know the devil wants to destroy the church. And I pray, God, we as your people will stand strong and united without discord, without disruption. But we will be unified together in prayer. And God, if there be one here today that needs you as their Savior, may they step out and come to you before it's everlasting too late. For we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. As we stand on our feet.